You're listening to The Long Game Podcast. I'm your host, Sandra Scaiano. Today's episode is fire. For all of you who think, why isn't it happening for me? Well, today's episode is going to answer that question for you. There is no reason that you cannot have the successful business of your dreams. You've just got to go and get it. My guest today is Kelly Aaron, founder and CEO of Blueprint Lighting. In six short years, Blueprint has built an admirable reputation for handcrafted modern light fixtures. Kelly and her husband, Josh, own both the manufacturing side of the business and the sales showroom in New York City. They are known for custom capabilities in lighting and finishes, metal finishes, patinas, beautiful enamels and colorings. And they have become the go-to resource for interior designers, decorators, set dressers. Her products have been featured on the pages of Architectural Digest Magazine, Elle Decor, also on the sets of TV shows like The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, and many more publication shows and, of course, Celebrity Homes. Well, what I love about Kelly's story is that she wasn't always a lighting creative. She has been a modern art dealer, a real estate broker, a nightclub owner, freelance writer, television and film actress, model, and has served on many a board of directors. Oh, and she's also a mom of three. But that didn't stop her from creating success in her new business that she and her husband started at ground zero. No knowledge, just a light bulb moment that sparked them into action. They took one step that has compounded over the years. Our conversation takes us through the grassroots approach Kelly has taken to build her business, what her outreach looked like, what that first intro email contained, and how she stayed inspired to keep going before she even got responses to those emails. You know, imposter syndrome, it can be really strong, and Kelly shares how she manages it because, you know, it never really goes away, right? It just kind of buries a little bit. But in her early days, she combated it by developing a unique selling proposition that wasn't being used in her industry. And We also talk about the power of following up and how that can look in different relationships. Always leading with being a help, but making it work for you too is another concept. Oh, and collaborations. You know, plant those seeds, people. We talk about it because they can break through the ground and totally surprise you. This is an inspiring conversation for those of you who haven't hit send on those emails, you know, who question why it isn't happening for me. Well, we say, why not you? And I'm reminded of my own story here, you know, nine months pregnant, lost my job, had a baby two days later. I knew I was good at strategy and I decided to learn how to code. So I sat babe on boob at my kitchen counter in Brooklyn with a computer and a book and taught myself. And little did I know what I would be creating for myself with this skill, but I got started. I took the first step. And, you know, we all have it in us. We just need to move past our own fear and not hold ourselves back. So this is a true life story today of a woman who did all the things. And as we note in the episode, she has maneuvered from tenacity to ease. There is so much to be inspired by here. The long game is creativity, collaboration, and craftsmanship with Blueprint Lighting founder, Kelly Aaron. In a world where everyone is doing, it's easy to get lost in a sea of comparison, secret tricks, 
and promises of overnight success. The long game? That's my approach to business. You gotta show up, you gotta do the work, and there are no quick fixes for long-term success. It takes creativity, it takes strategy, and it takes listening to the voice inside you. I'm a web designer, digital strategist, and energetic thinker, bringing you real-world business-building experiences, conversations with creators who are out there doing it now, and ideas to spark the energy in your own business. And along the way, we're going to have a little bit of fun as well. So thanks for being here, and let's get to today's episode. All right, and welcome to another episode of the Long Game Podcast. I am joined by founder and CEO of Blueprint Lighting, Kelly Aaron. In six short years, Blueprint has built an admirable reputation for handcrafted modern light fixtures. Kelly and her husband, Josh, own both the manufacturing side of the business and the sales showroom in New York City. And Kelly has grown the business from $350,000 in revenue in 2017 to Five million that they will do this year, and she has done it organically. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Kelly's going to come on and share her story with us so that you can all be inspired to send them emails, reach out. There are a lot of nuggets in here of what we've got to do. So welcome, Kelly. I'm so excited to have you here. Hello. Thanks for having me. Congrats on 150 plus podcasts for you. I mean, it's crazy. It's exciting. And sometimes I think, oh gosh, you know, but I'm so jazzed by doing them that I just keep going. So thank you for that. Yeah. I got to say you're pretty good at what you do. (laughs) It's exciting. And you as well. I mean, here's the thing. Number one, you got to have interest and passion in it. Just like you've always been into art and all of that. I want to talk about, you know, we were talking in our pre-call about Blueprint lighting, like you started it from ground zero. So it wasn't like, hey, my dad has a lighting company and I understand lighting. I'm going to just take it over. You and your husband started this at zero and you've been in that world of working in museums and exhibitions and the art world. So you kind of understand that whole PR piece and then networking piece that had to go into it. So I really just want to hear how that all started. I mean, first of all, let's just talk about how did lighting come up? Like, Hey, let's, (laughs) because you guys manufacture as well. You've got your own manufacturing facilities. I mean, I've seen your husband posting like, Hey, we just got some new equipment. Like how do you, holy crap. Yeah. So it's a, I'll try to give you the short cliff notes version of the story, but basically we were already in, you know, we were selling vintage mid-century design our client base was interior designers and architects primarily. I did come from a background of doing some museum curation and museum talks and things like that. So we, we've we been selling mid-century furniture. It's kind of a rat race of a career to have because you're constantly having to find new things. And as soon as you sell things, they're gone, right? So marketing is tricky. You're marketing yourself and your style, but marketing the actual objects while well, they're here today and gone tomorrow. So it's, it's tricky. So one day, uh, Josh and I, my husband and I, my co-founder, my partner in crime and everything else, we're at an auction and we buy these two massive, like mid-century Italian light fixtures, right? And Josh found them, he loved them. And we're like, great, we're going to buy these. We're going to sell them. We put a huge price tag on these lights. 
And we're getting calls from Jonathan Adler's office, Nate Berkus's office, like people, big designers wanting to put this, these lights on hold. And Josh had this spark of inspiration and just went, I wish I could figure out how to make these. I wish I could sell five of these instead of two of these. And it really was the the true like light bulb uh, moment. Uh-huh, <laughs> right. Oh, wait, renewable products, a, a product that we can sell over and over again. That would certainly be much a much easier <laughs> time. So Josh figured out, basically sold one of the lights, dismantled the other light, figured out how to put it together. He's just kind of my, my reverse husband, engineer. He's, wow. he's a music business guy. Like he's not it, but but he does. He's really good at Tetris. So he's like, he's like <laughs> his puzzle brain is really keen. And he's like, I'm going to figure out how to do this. I'm going to break it into parts. I'm going to look at these parts. I'm going to figure out where to buy these parts. And I'm going to figure out how to make this. So that's what he did. We started literally in our garage in New Jersey while still running our vintage business in Chelsea. We started making light fixtures in the garage. We used to spray paint the the for the very first blueprint fixtures are spray painted. Like they're not even powder coated. They're spray painted. We could don't, don't tell anyone that I said that out loud, didn't I? But don't tell anyone this first this first light fixtures were made with spray paint. Then we, we bought like a small powder coat oven, put it in the garage and, and we only had one 220 outlet in the house and it was in the laundry room. So we would like unplug the dryer and plug in the powder coat oven and then like plug the dryer back in. <laughs> I mean, it, it couldn't have started in a more humble way. It started like a garage band. So we literally started the business in a garage. Yeah, and I didn't inherit anything. We didn't inherit a bunch of money and go, let's start a lighting company. This and was- I love that. I love that whole gumption of Josh too, to just oh, yeah. start and say, I'm, you know, first of all, that's a good idea. And yeah. to recognize that, that both of you recognize that. But you do just have to take the first step in any mm-hmm. direction, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, I think a lot of people listening think, oh, maybe I could, or that would be cool if. Well, mm-hmm. you can, people. You can. You can. You can. And we, we, that's exactly what we did. And for the longest time, we kind of let Im- imposter syndrome get in our way for a minute. I'm sure you talk about imposter syndrome a lot on your pod. <laughs> Everybody's got it. Yeah, we all have it. <laughs> the killer of dreams. And we're always, all, we're, we all still have it, even when we shake it off. We always have a little bit and, I, and that's normal. But the imposter syndrome was huge at first because we thought, how dare we step into this space when there are legitimate lighting artists out there, like people that I would still never compare myself to quite frankly, but just people that are, that are doing just such beautiful work in such an artistic way. And I remember kind of, you know, starting this business and I, you know, I was working on the marketing end of things from the get go. And I just started reading every marketing book I could get my hands on. And I was like, okay, I need a unique sales proposition. I need the unique, I gotta have this thing. And at the time, my imposter syndrome was so big that I'm like, well, I'm not better than anyone else. And, and my stuff's not better looking than anyone else. I, I wouldn't allow it to be. I'm like, well, that I'm going to get made fun of if I think I'm better than anyone. So all I could be was faster <laughs> than everybody else. So my, my my unique sales proposition was simply like, you know what? In this business of custom lighting, lead times are very long. Our lead times are very short. And that was all I could come up with was like, well, you know, most lead times are three months. Well, how about three weeks? And it was such a desperate like, ah, but I needed something. And I just was so nervous that we weren't going to be good enough. But I thought, well, 
maybe we're not good enough, but we can be fast enough. And so for yeah, him, yeah we've got something <laughs> under our belt, which, you know, yeah. is a really interesting point as well, because some of there are people that just say, hey, it's a television show. We need it up here in the background, right? Like yeah. fast is our piece. So yeah. you get business in different ways from that proposition. We did. And we we did. We actually, you know, we would have designers come to us. For, I mean, I, I really think some of the clients that we still have today, we got early on because they would call us in a moment of desperation and go, can we, we literally had a, a client, a major, major interior designer. I won't say his name in case, in case this is a bad look for him, but he called us like a day before Thanksgiving and needed a light fixture, like the day after Thanksgiving, like three days. And we were like, at that point, so desperate to grow this brand that we were just like, yeah, we could do that. <laughs> yeah, we'll just get takeout. Right. No problem. It's fine. It's fine. You're cooking the turkey upstairs and I'm plugging in the powder coat oven down. Right. The garage. Like, we can't dry the clothes, but we'll- we it's fine. We'll <laughs> and those are the kinds of things that we would do. But it, because of that, we, you know, it, it was almost like we, we proved ourselves with that kind of odd, unique sales proposition, but we gained a lot of clientele that way that are still with us today. And mm-hmm. I think just like the chutzpah of just being like, we'll be fast. We'll just be fast for you, whatever you need. And I, you know, would definitely spent the first two years of the business just saying yes to everything. Like on right, the website which, at one right. point, it actually said the answer is always yes. I'm gonna, <laughs> I was like, look, we just say yes to everything because I needed to get traction. I needed traction. I needed clients. And I had clients. I knew interior designers because of our vintage business. So that was mm-hmm. one good thing that we had. We definitely had on our side, a mailing list, you know, we had clients and that that were in the space that we needed clients to be in. So that definitely was a help, but we had earned those clients too, you know, so we just, yeah, totally. So we piggybacked on the success of our previous business. We piggybacked on that. We uh, were very successful in that space. It was just exhausting. And so we piggybacked on the success of our own company which was kind of a weird move, but it really worked. We kind of just kind of re-educated our customers. Like, hey, we're lighting now. We're a lighting business now. And that (laughs) goes to show the power of relationships as well. Because you built those relationships. You know, you serviced those clients well. You paid attention, got them what they needed, kept an eye out for them and for what they were looking for and your journeys. And then- you were able to parlay that because of the relationship. And I think that's also the same thing with your, hey, we're fast, right? You're building relationships there because even the delivery was done properly, right? You know, here it is, it's installed or we brought it to you. So that's a big part, you know, every beginning client is relationship building, all those Mm -hmm. yeses, so. Definitely, I remember, some of the the best lessons that I learned in sales and marketing were I had a seven year career in real estate in North Carolina, in Asheville, North Carolina. And I had this just like, oh, this mega influential VP of the company, this woman, Debbie Williams. I hope she's going to watch this. But anyway, she, she taught me some of the, some of the greatest sales lessons that I'll ever learn. And, and, you know, just little things like you're always coming from a place of kindness, you know, never underestimate the power of the handwritten note, like just little things like that. And just the idea of grassroots marketing, I really got from her. She was so good at that. And, 
you know, with this company too, I think for the first, again, about the first two years of this business, I would just, I would just pull emails from Instagram. I would just go, if there's interior designers that I wasn't working with, I would go to Instagram. And then at one point I had a social media manager who would then go and, and pull those resources for me, the spreadsheet of just like, okay, here's this company, here's the contact email. And I had this email that I used to just send out and, and the, the email would introduce me. I would just say, Hey, I don't think I'm on your radar yet. I'd really like to earn your business. And what I learned from my old boss in real estate was to always offer like an item of value, always come from a place of help and offer something valuable. And so in that email, I offered 50% off their first order with us and That's a free finished huge. sample kit for their design library because uh, designers keep libraries of sam- finished samples and things. And I saw, so I just said, Hey, here's, I want to earn your business. Here's two things that I'm going to do for you. And for probably a year, I got very few replies, but I did not stop because I also know that it's a numbers game and it's just a, and in the meantime, I'm growing the business over here. I'm growing the brand. We're starting to be more recognizable. So I started hitting, I would even start the list back over, like say six months later, I'd be like, all right, I'm sending the same email again, right? (laughs) Just in the same one. Right. They won't remember that. They don't don't, (laughs) even open it the first time because writing me, whatever. I sent it a second time and you wouldn't believe it was like by the time about two years in of sending this damn email over and over and over again, I start getting replies. Then it got where I was getting a response 90% of the time. Like I was getting no responses to everyone like, oh yeah, I, you, I have heard of you. Oh, you know, I saw mm-hmm. you on Instagram the other day, or I saw you in this project in AD or whatever. Oh exactly. yeah, I would love a finished sample kit for my library. I still have people to this day writing back from an email I sent them in 2019 going, Hey, can I still get that finished sample kit? And I'm like, you never know what little piece of information you've put out there is still just sitting there in someone's mind. And they're like, Oh yeah, I got that email. From that tucked away, yes, yeah. You know, we all have that filing system that we have. We don't even know that that person's thinking of us, but yet they are. And that's that's on that grassroots marketing. It can't be understated. Like, and we still do it now. Just because the company's gotten bigger doesn't mean Mm -hmm. we stop that. You can't stop doing that. And it compounds on itself. I mean, the Mm -hmm. fact that you were featured on a television show or the fact that you were in El Decor, like people start to notice and then that compounds into those emails as well. So you get one project and you are able to springboard off of it some of these other responses as well. So yeah, I I think that's really important. You know, I come from a a PR background and I was knocking on doors and, you know, I have everyone from Vibe to Vogue that it was like different. And you got to get that person into your showroom, into seeing what you're doing um, in the fashion showrooms. And I didn't know everybody, but I just knew to keep following up, you know, not badger them, but say, hey, this is new. And You know, another piece to that was always not doing total form letter in terms of, 
I would then say, hey, I know your style is this, and I've picked this piece out that I think you need to see. Yeah. So yes, we have a collection of 200 pieces, let's say, mm-hmm. but and it's not everything isn't for you, but this shit is good and it's for you. So <laughs> I've picked it out. I've curated it. And I love that piece that you have that curation history as well. Yeah, definitely. How do you inspire yourself to do that. I mean, again, we've talked about imposter syndrome and you still had to show up and send those emails. You know, you had to have guts within you. You know, so what was motivating to you? I do a word of the year. I know you do as well. Like, how did you really keep that going so that you were hitting send all the time? Yeah, those words of the year are a big deal. I think I I wrote you that my um in 2021 my word was saturation. And that was one of the big things that did keep me going and sending was I I wanted to get to a place where my brand was, at least within the design community, was kind of a household name. Like I wanted for people to think about us all the time. And that was what kept me hitting send. I was also aggressively asking people to send me installation images. Like once they would install their life picture. Yes. The testimonial. I had to go after them so hard because we had beautiful pictures of our fixtures, just in like silo shots, just shots of the lighting, but we didn't have the budget to go in and stage homes with our Mm -hmm. light. We didn't have that. So we were like, okay, let's get pictures from our customers. Right. So I was, I was aggressively just trying to get pictures and it was like pulling teeth. I would even offer like discounts on future orders. I'd be like, give you 20% off. I just say, can you please send me like a high res of this project? Right. That was huge. Years. Again, this the first two, three years of this business. It was, it was really scrappy. There's That's so a good much. point. I mean, yeah. Like how do you get people to do that? You know, so without much. badgering them totally. Yeah. I mean, right. And like, you don't want to be a nuisance, but you're yeah. also like, Hey, yeah, really, this would be really great. And I'll cross promote your, you know, your firm or whatever. And now it's gotten to a place. And, and this was the, that saturation word. It's gotten to a place now where the images come to us every day. I don't have to ask for anything. They now, it's now they know to send it to us. I have my brand strategist on staff and all day long, she's just getting like pictures where we're we're tagged in Instagram and so, you know, and then she jumps in and is like, Hey, can we get the high res of this? And they're like, great, sure. Or like, here's the photographer, talk to the photographer about it. And like, now the stuff just comes to us all the time. And we have this wellspring of installation images, which are hugely valuable to me. That's like the most valuable thing. And now they just come to me free. <laughs> like I don't have to ask. Yeah. And without effort, it's ease. Once you get to that point, I mean, I, I think that's such a good point. You know, tenacious into ease is what happens yeah. in that way, because yeah. you've got to stick with it. You've got to keep after it. And then you're kind of enjoying that flow now. So yeah, that's super cool. And I think, you know, it also goes back to that whole idea of giving approaching your business kind, you know, not even being over salesy, right? Like you have an approach of like, Hey, we're here to help you. We are artists ourselves and you do custom design as well. So not only do you have the ability to sell your inventory, which is always a good thing, but you can take an idea from here and there and put it together to create something. And that takes a certain finesse to do as well. 
It does. And we, you know, that is a big thing in our office. We refuse to be salesy. I mean, yes, we want to sell. We want to close sales. Uh, yeah, we talk about it, frankly, here. We know, we are all here to make money, even though we're here to serve as well. Uh, yes. But yeah, but we, we always have the mantra in our office to, to always come from a place of help, always come from a place of help. When, and we do a ton of follow-up. Gosh, follow-up is the name of the game always. So we do that follow-up, but we do it in the lightest, friendliest, way. We never want it to seem high pressure. We never want it to seem salesy because I know as a consumer, I don't respond well to that. So I try to pay attention to what do I respond to as a consumer? Like when I'm buying things, what what do I like? And I constantly too, if I see things from bigger, more experienced companies with bigger marketing engines than me, mm-hmm. I pay huge attention to what they're doing that I like. A hundred percent. I'm like, again, piggybacking on the success of bigger businesses, I will take notes of things that I like or or what got me to finally click the button on XYZ thing that I'm purchasing. Mm -hmm. And I take that to my brand strategist and I'm like, hey, I really liked this thing that I saw today that popped into my email. Like I look at this and how can we use this? You know, this is... This is a big company. This is like Banana Republic. Like, well, right. they really have a lot more money than we do. So what do they do that works? Like, let's let's not reinvent the wheel. What what did I like about this? Let's use that. Totally. I you know, was telling you that I just got back from vacation and my podcast this week is Lessons Learned from Universal Studios. And the whole point is they have the same tools in their toolbox as we do because yeah. what is making them successful is planning. We can plan. We can plan the customer journey out just like they plan the customer journey and put the gift shop at the end of the ride. We can do that too, right? Mm-hmm. Like so it's looking to these big corporations for inspiration and I love that you brought that up because it isn't just because we're the little guy we can't do it. It's you know, thinking with innovation and creativity. They might be able to do things on a massive scale, but you can still make something for your business that's unique and serves a purpose and is helpful and is not seen anywhere else. So that's innovative, right? You can still do that, whether you're a service provider or a Mm -hmm. product creator as well. Mm -hmm. Planning is free. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And thinking about that customer journey, I mean, you do it as well in your business of, all right, what's the experience we're going to create for whether it's the end client or the interior designer that you're working Mm -hmm. with, you create that experience so that you make it easy for them. You're uber helpful to make that process smooth for them. I mean, you're thinking of that as well the whole time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I'm always looking to that, looking to those bigger businesses and seeing what they're doing. You know, and even if they have a bigger budget, all right, fine. But yeah. it doesn't limit what you're doing. It doesn't limit your thinking or your creativity in that. So, no, our big, our biggest limit is always self-imposed. I think, hundred <laughs> percent. You know, and I want to talk about too, like how. I mean, first of all, you're six years in now, and you are you've kind of made this leap with a, you know, really respectable clientele and. You've gotten into celebrity. You've gotten, you know, you've really come into hotels, your own in this hip place where your product fits, you know? And so part of that too, I think is that's your interest, right? Like Mm -hmm. you love music, you love art, you Mm -hmm. know, you're following your own interest in that. 
Tell us a little bit about like some of how you're able to kind of step into some of these more reputable names and projects and things like that. Honestly, you have to be willing to give some shit away. <laughs> you just gotta give some shit away. Totally, totally. When I would have a celebrity kind of poking around, asking questions, I became very forthright with like, hey, I'm, I'll give you whatever you want. I'll just give you what you want. I mean, and most of our celebrity clientele are coming to us through interior designers and those are just sales. Like that's just right. a sale. But when someone comes to me directly and they have a little clout, a little notoriety, a little visibility, I jump in very quickly and just offer up whatever they want in exchange for beautiful photos. Yep. Very simple. And it works every time. That's how the fashion industry, beauty yeah. industry is run, you know, yeah. product yeah. placement and all yeah. of that. Exactly. Yeah. Like we just came off of, I guess it was in the winter, we just had a big spread in Architectural Digest online because we did the entire house with the exception of like three fixtures of Matt Sorum out in Palm Springs. And Matt's the former Guns N' Roses and the cult drummer. Like he's this like music guy. He's awesome, super fun. He and his wife and daughter live out in Palm Springs and we did most of their house for them. And I just, you know, when he, he wrote in and was like, hey, I'm Matt Sorum. I really like your lights, basically is what he said. And you're like, ah, and, like, Yay! and then I'm like, yeah. cool, what I like do you your music. Yeah. He's like, what do you want? I was like, what do you want? And I just said, whatever. He's like, oh, I don't want to be greedy. And I'm like, right. no, what do you want? You're going to, I'm going to give it to you. And it was worth it because that's what I got out of it was an AD spread and the photos. which Exactly. Are- like you cannot you know, that type of collaboration, and I want to talk more about collaborations with companies, but this collaboration with another artist, with a influencer, a celebrity, or even a influential designer, like that type of spread and feature in Architectural Digest, like you can't buy that, you know, that is something you cannot buy. So those are the type of collaborative relationships that you also have to nurture along the way. So a hundred percent. And I love hearing that. Yeah. I mean, I just, yeah, I go into it knowing that, that I'm going to give them, I want to give them whatever they want, you know, and I try to keep it loose and casual, but I do like expect in return that I will get photos and I might get some social media mentions and things. And they always deliver. They, they always deliver, you know, that everybody's super grateful and appreciative. And like, so I, I do, I do give, a lot of things away. But when I look at what I'm spending in labor and materials to give those lights away, it's like you said, what a bargain I'm getting. Yeah, you cannot, you can't <laughs> even, and, and honestly, yeah. even buying that ad space God. in the magazine doesn't cut it the same way as an editorial cuts it. You're correct. So correct. it's a hundred percent. So, yeah. you know, we started talking about collaborations and, you know, one of the things I talk with my clients about a lot is getting in front of other people's audiences like that collaborations in those ways, building relationships so that you can get in front of other people's audiences, people get in front of your audience. It makes sense. So I know that's some of your approach as well. Definitely. Definitely. We're actually a big focus of our year this year. My word of the year this year was actually expansion. That was like, once I, once I hit saturation, <laughs> yeah. year after that was tighten. 
because I had I was like, I got to tighten everything up. I got to make everything run on rails because we're getting bigger. And then this year is expansion. And a huge, a huge focus of our business this year is on doing capsule collections with designers so that the collaboration is high right now. And we're actually, actually, this is a great little anecdote and very timely, but back, I think it was three or four years ago. This is a seed. This is a great like stick with it story. I think three or four years ago, I got a I got an email from Ashley Stark, who Ashley Stark in the design world is a huge name, may not be for your audience, but I'll give a quick like who she is. Um, so she's third generation owner slash creative director of Stark Carpet. And Stark Carpet is probably if you ever open a design magazine. Right, they, right. <laughs> all so Ashley is the creative current creative director. And several years back, she reached out and said, hey, my name's Ashley Stark. And in my head, I'm like, yeah, I know who you are. <laughs> I'm Ashley Stark. And I'm keeping love- a cool right now, but yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm like, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> You're kind of a big deal, but okay. And uh, she wanted one of our fixtures for her Hamptons house. And she just was looking for a trade discount, just like a normal a designer would. And I go, I'm like, I saw an opportunity. I'm like, you know, I could give her a trade discount and just earn her business and that's fine. Or I can make this bigger. And I just said, you know what? I'll give this to you if I can get some install pictures and maybe like a shout out on your Instagram would be awesome. And she had a, she has a huge following online too. So she agreed to that. And it was cool. This has been three. I mean, I think it's like maybe even four years ago now. So I, I was like, Hey, even if I only get photos, I'm okay with this because I thought it's going to be in her Hamptons house. Like, and it's so designed. I mean, it's putting yeah. your product in these ultimate spaces. Yeah. Like, like that's it. That. Like, you know, yeah. I can't pay to stage that. So I'm like, even if that's all I get from her, even if I get nothing and she puts this in her Hamptons house and her friends see it, fine, mm-hmm. whatever. So you have to be kind of willing to go, I'm not fully in control of this, but I'm going to hope, you know, but even if I get the least out of it, I'm okay with that. So fine. So. I get the photo, I get the Instagram shout out several years ago, and that was very cool. But then I saw an opportunity in January. I saw that she had launched her own e-commerce site, Ashley Stark Home, where she was curating some things. So I reach out to her and this is one of those just like total, like, I don't know if this person is going to write me back. Hey, remember me? Yeah. (laughs) And I picked up the thread from like four years ago and I'm like, Hey, Ashley, hope you're doing well. Uh, Saw you launched an e-commerce site. Thought it would be really cool if we could put our counterbalance fixture, which is the fixture she had in her home. I was like, that would be such an organic product for you to offer with your assortment of lighting since it's in your own home. And I know you like to be authentic in your engagement. And so how about it? I'll make it really easy for you. We can drop ship items. You can just put it on your website and we'll sell on your website. I, the next day, had a meeting booked with her team. Wow. And they came back with not only yes to that. But what about doing a capsule collection? Yeah, love and it. And I almost fell off my chair. <laughs> I was like, no way. <laughs> so we, we were actually on a call with her yesterday. Like it's a slow process, but it's like happening. Like it's, it's slow. It's been since January. So these yep. things take a little time, but I'm like, so there's a seed I planted three or four years ago, just going, you know what? I'm just going to do this thing because this is someone in the design space who's important. And I, I want to be on her radar. I want to be on her friend's radar. And, and if that's, I didn't know it would come to this place, but then I saw an opportunity later on 
because I pay attention. I keep my ear to the ground in my world. You know, I pay attention to what's going on in design. You have to, you have to be a student every single day. Totally. And I was like, she's got an e-commerce site. I have product. She probably needs product. <laughs> so, totally. so now we're and, doing that. And the fact that it's the perfect time for her to create a collaboration now that mm. she has this outlet, it's not just out of the blue type of thing. So yeah, really getting in front of other people's audiences, those collaborative relationships can help grow you so much, even though you haven't even seen that fully out yet with this relationship. Right. It's just the understanding of that and going for that and uh, you know knowing that that could be an outcome and it leads to visibility in other ways where other people say hey I like that I want to do that as well and I'm in this space I might not be a designer I might be a something else right and I want a collaborative relationship I think being open to that type of thinking helps you move forward so far definitely I think too, with my clients, I say to them, like, who's your goal, right? Like, who do you want to be or who's doing what you want to do? Like, you can reach out to them. You don't have to be direct competitors even, but the, you know, like I was saying how I just sent this email this morning. Uh, you know, I got an email from a guru, a social media, another social media person. And I was like, hey, you should be on my podcast, right? Like, there's no reason why I can't just fire this off. Here's the reasons. One, two, and three. You're in good company. Boom. Let me know. And if there's another process than this email, let me know. I'll do that too. But mm -hmm. it's just starting those relationships and following mm -hmm. up. So. Right. Exactly. You can't be scared to do it. The worst they can say is no. Actually, the worst they can do is just, they just don't. The worst they can say is no. Second worst thing is they just don't write back. But right. the other thing is they, they've seen the email and there's always another reach out you can do. You and can your name. They've seen your name in their inbox. Yeah. It's like, let's tie it back to the beginning of some people from 2019 respond to your first outreach email now in 2023. Because right. it's, right? So right. there we've come full circle with this. Yes. That you don't know the impact that you can make. But you've got to take that first step. You know, taking that start. And moving yourself, you don't even have to have the whole vision planned out, but just saying, I want to do this. I want to be in this space. Yeah. I want to engage. Yeah, absolutely. You just want to sit at the table and you just, you have to, you have to be willing to shake off that fear of rejection, the fear of not enoughness and the, you know, the, all of that imposter syndrome. And, and I, you know, I still have teensy bit of imposter syndrome, but a manageable amount. So it's, it's fine. But I, yeah, I love that. I manage it better now. Yeah. I manage. <laughs> it's always going to be there. We're all yeah. human. Like we're never going to get rid of it entirely. That's silly to think, but like I've shaken it off to a, a place where I'm willing to just like, I came out of the gate in the first quarter of this year, just swinging for the fences, like wildly. And, and, and I was getting responses and stuff. And I, I thought, whoa, look at what happens when you lose the fear. <laughs> like, I'm just, I'm like, hey, why not? And then when you get something back, you're like, oh, oh my gosh, that worked. You wrote me back. <laughs> hey, why not? Why not? And why not me? Why not, why me? not me? Why not yeah. me? Well, you know, you have just brought so much to this conversation. You know, I really want to 
let the audience soak in everything that you've done so that they can be inspired to act. I mean, it's really about action and taking that action. Keep moving forward, keep reaching out and engaging. Thank you so much for being here today, Kelly, and sharing with us. You know, we're going to have all of uh, links to your website, your Instagram, all the different ways the audience can follow up and start to follow you as well. Awesome. Thanks. It was my pleasure. Great to talk to you. All right, everyone. We will see you next week. Thanks for joining me today. You can access more information, links mentioned in this episode, and the show notes at thelonggamepodcast.net. If today's show connected with you in some way, please share it with your friends or hop on and leave a review. Both of these make a really big difference. All right. Until next time, keep playing the long game.